know that some in our audience know the finer points of hockey. The Chris Johnston Show. We are your friends. The biggest stories, bringing you inside the game. What did you hear? The Chris Johnston Show. Powered by Sports Interaction. Wanna bet? What is going on? Here's Chris with your host, Julian McKenzie. Part of the game. We are hours away. Uh, from Game 4 of the first round series between the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, CJ is coming at us from Tampa. Uh, I think he's in Amelie Arena. Are you Are you close? I'm trying to figure out who are the people uh, working behind you right now. Yes, I'm in the guts of the building here. Um, didn't get as nice a shot as I had for the last uh, recording when I was in the bowl at, at Scotiabank Arena. Uh, but yeah, it's a big game here tonight. Who knows who you see walk behind me? The, the what you see is is the the path basically to the dressing room. So I don't sure if the Leafs are here yet, but you might see them walk in at some point. So keep your keep your eye out if you're watching us rather than just listening for some famous faces behind me. Interesting. Speaking of famous faces, uh, after Game Three, Scotty Barnes hanging around the Leafs locker room. How was that? I, well, I didn't get a chance to talk to him. You might have saw my Zapruder like picture. It was not not not, not <laughs> the did. best not the best quality photo, but it did some business on the on the tweet machine. So um, yeah, it was interesting to see him there. He was with Larry Tannenbaum, who of course owns the Leafs and Raptors, Toronto FC, the Toronto Argos as well. Um, you know, so this series is attracting some stars, and obviously there's there's a lot riding on it for the Leafs, and I think. For the organization so to survive and win that game three where they they didn't have their best game where tampa really brought the house at them but but uh, they found their way through with an overtime win uh that was a pretty excited slashed exhausted locker room scene post game saturday night i can imagine i'm trying to figure out like who on the leafs would be like i don't know like who is scotty barnes hanging out with on the toronto maple leafs probably austin probably mitchie yeah, I think Morgan Riley seems to go to a lot of games. I mean, they certainly, you know, they share a building, and, and obviously if one's off on a night, then the building's home for the other team. So it, you see Raptors and Leafs go to each other's games. So I, I would I would predict those young guys are most likely to to be in with Scotty. Okay, that's fair. Uh, on another episode, we will uh, try to ask you uh, which NBA player are you most likely to hang out with. But before we get to that, <laughs> uh, on an episode way too far down in the future, probably in the summer ones, we need to we, uh, we need to talk about the war of words uh, that is starting to pop up uh, with uh, John Cooper, uh, Sheldon Keefe seeming to think uh, that John Cooper and the Lightning know a thing or two about what they're doing with the refs. He used the word manipulating. That is a very big word as far as I am concerned. And John Cooper doesn't seem to know what the hell he is talking about. What do you make of that situation? Uh, and, and where do you want to go with that? Like, how, how do you want to talk about this? Because this, for me as an outsider, I'm like, wow, this is this is a lot. Well, I think the thing that stands out to me, Julian, first of all, I covered last year's series. This one, the heat is already dialed way more up. And, you know, I think that's maybe a product of the two teams playing for a second straight year. It's a product of how important this, this series is. The stakes are raised, right? I mean, we know what it means in Toronto. We've talked a lot about that. Even Tampa, they're trying to hold on to this this team that's been to three straight finals uh, you know, they have a lot riding on this. And, you know, I think the Leafs, quite frankly, if you look at a trend through all these sort of various things that don't appear on the surface to be related, you know, they feel that the Lightning play by their own rules to a certain degree. You know, that, that's that's my editorial opinion on on what's happening. But I think that that can be seen throughout. It, it's it's there with Keith talking about the scrum that was that, that happened in game three, uh, you know, where you have Steven Stamkos grab Austin Matthews. I mean, Austin Matthews had 
no interest in fighting. He was actually picking up sticks from other players involved in the scrum. And Stamkos starts punching him, and then he ends up off the ice for a five-minute fighting major. Uh, and, and, you know, Tampa only goes down to man. That, that produced the manipulating the referee's comment from Sheldon Keefe. You know, Ilya Samsonov hasn't spoken to the media in this series since after game two, which if you're on the outside, you might say, who cares? But, I mean, it, it's, it's a break from what I would say is the normal protocol the Leafs have had in place. And when Keefe was asked about that, he said, well, I don't see you until he's talking to Andre Vasilevsky. Just let him play goal. And so, you know, I think in general the Leafs are definitely edgier this, this series off the ice, on the ice, you're seeing it. There's been a number of fights, uh, three fights in game two alone. Obviously, Toronto added some players that can do that, like Luke Shen, uh, who dropped the gloves in that game with Tanner Janot. And so, you know, it, it's, I mean, this is, look, this is what playoffs is all about. It's what playoff hockey is all about. I work for the Professional Hockey Writers Association, so I'm not supposed to like it when players aren't made available. But, you know, I find this whole, I find the whole thing just kind of entertaining that that the teams are getting involved in this and, and you know, let's face it, the Leafs, this is this is a side of the Leafs you're not used to seeing. I don't know if you saw the video, Kyle, but uh, or of Kyle Dubas, rather, Julian, but Kyle Dubas was was giving it to some fans in that game. I mean, you can just feel, you, you can feel the, the edge and the animus growing. And we're only just arriving to the morning in game four here. So I think that there's, it could be quite a finish to this series, depending on how long it stretches out. I, I saw the video of, of Kyle Dubas uh, getting into it with some fans and, I've only been to one Toronto Maple Leafs game in my lifetime, and that was earlier this year when the Flames were in town. And my seat is not that far off from where Kyle Dubas's spot in the box is uh, with all his other AGMs and whatnot. And considering the amount of chatter that comes from his spot, and I understand the press box is directly in front of him at uh, in Toronto. It is. It is. I'm. I'm surprised this is not this has not happened sooner. The fact that Kyle would get into it with with fans from that vantage point, and I don't know how to feel about that. Like you make the point, like all right, cool. There's this there's this edge that is around the Toronto Maple Leafs. They're you know they're they're getting into these fights and they're yapping to to the media the way that they are. And and Kyle Dubas getting into it with fans. I get it. Like that that is part of the game. But I really wonder, like if that works, good for them. But I wonder how that is going to work through a series that I still think is going to go seven when it's all said and done like that. I don't, I don't know. Like that's, I, I can imagine for other people around the league who see that. I don't know if that necessarily makes them all the more endearing. Oh, well, they're not trying to be endearing. They're trying to win. Right. That and, too. And, and I'm with you. I'm not, I'm not sure if it's the right strategy. Like I'm not sitting here applauding them for sure. And you, know, you take the situation after game three, the Leafs, you know, we're outplayed in that game. They find a way to win. And, and then Sheldon Keefe brings up that comment after a win. You know what I mean? Like, to me, mm-hmm. I, I understand you might be frustrated about what you're seeing on the ice, but you don't necessarily have to go there, especially when you've won the game. I mean, there, there's there's lots of different ways you can approach it. I think that they're just – I just think they're honestly saying, fuck it. Honestly, I think that's what this – this is what you're seeing from the Leafs. Like, th- all the stuff we've talked about for six months, Julian, and they know about it. This guy could be traded. This person might not get a new contract. This person could be fired. I think they're just saying, fuck it. And going out there and just they're, they're kind of doing it their way. And, and I, they're definitely it's not endearing. It's not cute. <laughs> I don't think it's intended to be, but it's it's designed to win. And, and I guess we can only really measure that uh, at the end of the series or after seeing a few more games. We get, get a feel for if this attitude shift or this this edge that they kind of are bringing to the series is is, is productive or if it's kind of a waste of energy. And to be clear, like, I don't think teams should be playing cute at all, like teams to a certain extent do what the Toronto Maple Leafs are trying to do. I'm just trying to figure out if 
if that is if that is going to work for them, and it could very well work for them, uh, considering the fact they have a lead in the series, there's an opportunity for them to take a three-one stranglehold on this series. I get how people feel about a three-one lead for the Leafs, but like, you know, if you're in a situation where you can close out, you have to do the job. And if the Leafs are in that position, they have to take advantage of that. But like, I don't know. Like, I'm I'm very curious about how that. I mean, I guess when you play against Corey Perry, you'd get mad too, right? Yes. I mean, he's made a lot of people <laughs> mad yes. over a lot of years, including his teammate Pierre Edward Belmare. Yesterday morning or two day, two mornings ago, he was mentioning how he much he hated Perry until they were on the same team. I mean, that's that's what Corey Perry does. He's drawn a bunch of penalties in this series. Uh, really been at his best as as we're recording right now. He leads the Lightning in scoring in the playoffs. Uh, at, you know, at, at a pretty advanced age and at a time when, uh, you know, I don't know how much how much runways left on his career. He's still finding a way at least to make an impact in limited minutes for the lightning. Um, you know, and, and I, th- I think the Leafs, like they, they've been kind of a kicking bag, right? Like you get to the NHL awards at the end of the year and, and, you know, people are making jokes about them on stage. Like, like I get it. I, I kind of get how they might feel just, just beaten down a little bit and, and just, they just want to puff out their chest. And so, as I say, it might work. I, I don't know. I don't, I actually don't have a strong opinion and I don't have a strong feel. All I can tell you is being here on the ground and, and sort of, day-to-day being in this series you, you can definitely feel like it's a different vibe around them you can see it in the things they're saying I mean even John Tavares who I think goes out of his way not to be controversial mentioned after game one that the Lightning get all the borderline calls because they've won the championships from the referees I mean just just things like that it, it's it, it kind of catches your ear because you're not used to, to hearing that sort of thing and you know let's let's see if it works like, like let's judge the results because what they've done in, in years past obviously hasn't worked I, I think that this is a this is a different mindset to, for their, their kind of last dance playoff run here. The last thing before I, I, I ask another question with regards to kind of previewing game four. Like, what if, I don't know if this is a wild thing to ask or, because or, I feel as if other people would think this too, in terms of being endearing, I guess. But like, I can imagine if you're the officiating crew for this series, or I know there are different officials for every game, but like, if you hear that coming from Sheldon Key for John Tavares, uh, just about the conduct of referees throughout the series, like, I wonder, I mean, considering how we should have a whole conversation about referees in itself, but like, I, I, I don't know if that necessarily gets on their side either, but to your point, F it, right? Like, who cares? Well, it's funny. I was texting with someone who works in another front office, not involved in that series, and he said after he heard Keith's comments, he said, that's an invitation to have a scrub down. Like, he hears yep. that as, as if you're playing the Leafs, now you just keep scrumming up. You keep trying to manipulate them, if you want to call it that. Keep doing what you're doing because it's obviously getting to the other side. And so, you know, I don't know that the Lightning will do that. I, you know, I'm not sure how they feel about it. But certainly from, from those watching from afar that are at high levels of the NHL, they, they don't necessarily love hearing that kind of that quote made publicly. And, and, and you know, the, the officials, it's kind of been what it's been this series you know, there's, there's been some soft calls, but like, I, I don't think it's really decided the series. I, I guess, you know, Tampa had beef in, in the last game. There was a, an early whistle on a goal that would have been scored by Braden point uh, that ended up coming off the board. And, you know, I can see, I can see that they had a valid point there. I mean, the puck was loose, but the referee didn't see it and, and he blew the whistle. So I, you know, it's in, in a sense, there's not really controversy. There it was a mistaken whistle, I believe, but it, it wasn't, you know, done. It wasn't like poor judgment necessarily. Um, you know, I don't know that the officiating's really been a big issue in this series, but it's still early, man. So, you know, as soon as as soon as I say that, we might have some big crazy controversy tonight. We'll see. 
Seriously, because you know, I think if you look at other series like Carolina and the New York Islanders, for example, I'm sure there are other examples that will pop it up. Edmonton and in, in L.A. over the weekend, like there have been so many other examples of of officiating not being good this postseason, and it's 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 a problem. It needs to be addressed at all levels. And I don't want to hear Gary Bettman say that they have the best officials in the world because it seems as if for the last few years especially in the games that matter the most officiating is not at the quality that people expect it to be not to hijack the the Leafs discussion the Leafs lightning discussion we're trying to have but like that's an important point that has to be made and if it gets to a point where it 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 rears its ugly head in this series I mean in some ways you could already argue it has but like if we get another controversial call ooh, that is not going to be fun that is going to be a massive talking point the thing is, I don't know what you do about officiating because they have the best hockey officials in the world. Like, I don't think that there's a better referee that isn't working in the NHL. It, it's just the game is fast and, and the stakes are high. And I don't know how you make Like, I don't know if we're one day looking at a huge overhaul if you're taking guys off the ice, for example, and using more technology. Like, I don't know what the answer is. But the, the, guy, the, the people they have working for them now, I think, are the best at what they do. The problem is that the standard might be the best at what they do might not be good enough, if that makes sense. Um, and that's, so that's, that's the camp I'm in. That's the camp I'm in. I think the standard that's there right now is not good enough. And I understand that pe- like people might hear what I'm saying and they might be like, oh, well, you know, you try going on the ice and you try refereeing a game. There's a reason why I'm behind a podcast, Mike, and not on the ice doing what Wes McCauley does. There's a reason why you do the job you do and you're not doing any like March Wynette or any other official that's out there. Like there's a reason why those guys are out there. So if they're doing that, do your job, do or do whatever the NHL needs to do. Robot umps. I, I do not care. It's at a point now where like Dom Lachis in the other day shared an article about how bad officiating has been. And I remember when that article dropped in 2021, that's two years ago. And we still have not seen a significant improvement in that front. It's a joke. It's an absolute joke. I've made I'm not piece. as fired up about it as you, but I, I'm, I, I respect your I'm, opinion. I've, so. I've, 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 I've made my piece, but just to get back to the Leafs here and, and the Lightning. <laughs> Sorry, I, re- I no, realize that. I realize I, I took that into a completely different direction, but I want to say this. The fact that the Leafs got the win in Game 3 the way that they did, I can't think of too many other times over the last decade or so where they were not the better team in any of those games they played, and they won a game. Like, you need wins like that in the playoffs where you're, you're not necessarily the best team, but you steal a win. Like, you need results like that. And I wonder now how that translates. I mean, it's hard for any momentum to translate from game to game. But in game four now, if you're the Leafs, uh, how are you attacking that game? And if you're the Lightning and you're banged up to hell with all the injuries you have, how are you attacking that game? Let's talk more about that before I well, go on another rant about referees. <laughs> Well, I think what's, what's kind of unique here is the Leafs need a response game, yet they're up in the series. Do you know what I mean? Like, they, yeah. they won the last game, but they actually need to respond with, with better play at five-on-five. Five. You know, the, just too many of their lines were, were taken on water all night, were, were stuck in the defensive zone. They weren't connected with the defenseman in terms of breaking the puck out and, and doing the things that they need to do to be successful. And so I'm with you. That's a massive win. You know, I, I've covered all these games in this sort of era, whatever we're going to call this era of Leafs hockey. They've not had a goalie steal one of those games. The last goalie, in my opinion, to steal a Leafs playoff game was James Reimer in the 2013 series with Boston. Um, but but certainly 
none in the sort of Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner era. And they had a goalie. It's not that every goaltender has been bad in the games, but they haven't had what they had the last game where Samsonov you know, didn't allow a goal for the last 35 minutes of that game and was under considerable duress for huge stretches. They haven't had the clutch goal with it, you know, tied up with the goalie out and winning overtime the way they did. Like, you're right. Like that, that was different for them. In fact, if anything, they've played well and lost a lot in the playoffs. Like that's, that's been the issue. It, in game six last year against Tampa and game six against Montreal the year before, they had a chance to end the series, dominated overtimes, and still lost the game. And so you can say, like, oh, well, we played great and we had all these chances, but it doesn't mean anything if you, if you don't win. And so I, I think we have to give them sort of credit for finding their way through that game, for not, um, you know, sticking with it mentally and not, not allowing that to become a blowout. Um, and it's a huge – I think it's huge that they just got – one of those wins where they didn't play well, because I I'm, I don't think they're going to play poorly the rest of the series. I think they're going to have a better performance now, and they're in the driver's seat as as, uh, as things stand at the moment. And then if you're Tampa Bay, I, I just for me, like I feel like every game is just just hoping no one gets injured. Like seeing Anthony Sorelli doubled over uh, after I forget which game, but I think he had taken a puck somewhere around the face kind of neck area. Or just around there, just seeing him doubled over on the bench, I'm like, oh God, like they can't afford to have someone else go down. Braden Point taking a massive hit along the boards, which more or less led to that massive scrum involving two 60 goal scorers. Another brouhaha, but like Braden Point, just that looked horrible to see him yeah. just stumble to the ice and 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 look seriously hurt, but then he takes shifts in overtime. Like if you're Tampa. If you're a Tampa fan, you're thinking, please, God, do not get injured for the love of God. Right. And the question for me, honestly, is Andre Vasilevsky. And you could have looked really bad over the years by questioning him because he, he you know, quite literally, I think, has earned that best goalie in the world moniker. But but he hasn't been the best goalie in this series so far. And, and you know, that could turn on a dime. Maybe, you know, the last number of games to be played here, he's, he's awesome and shuts the Leafs down. But, you know... For me, I start to wonder as much as we celebrate that he doesn't come out, for example, when he allows seven in game two, he wants to stay in there and stay in the fight. He's just played a lot of hockey, man. Like, it's, it's entirely possible that he's fatigued, just like I think the Lightning might be fatigued, which leads to some of the injury problems, too, that you're talking about. Is These, these guys have played a lot. I think it's possible he's just not at his best because he doesn't, you know, he's not fresh. He, you know, he played 60 games in a regular season, which is a big number in today's NHL. I believe there's only seven goalies that did it this year in the regular season, but he's played 76 playoff games the last three years uh, on top of that, in addition to playing a lot the other regular seasons. So, you know, I wonder if he can get to his best level in the series. I think it might actually be the, the difference between whether Tampa could find their way back and win it or not, um, just because, you know, he's been such an X factor in all their playoff runs. And so far in the series, you know, he's got like a, whatever, an eight, 880 or 850 save percentage, whatever it is. It's only three games. I'm not saying, you know, I, I get it. If he plays enough, we'll know he'll be back at his usual level, but he might not get a chance to play enough if the season ends. Uh, anything else you want to mention with regards to the Leafs and the Lightning before we get to you can bet that? No, I just wish they could drop the puck right now, man. We're 10 hours yeah, from too. puck drop. We're 10 hours from puck drop, and I'm ready to, like, eat nails. Like, I'm so excited for the game. So, but no, 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 no other thoughts on the series at the moment. Okay, well, uh, keep that brain of yours... Uh, Sharp, because uh, there are a few other storylines I want to get to, and today is Monday, so it's Ask CJ Day. Uh, but before we do all that, uh, I have a doozy for you uh, in uh, our Monday edition of You Can Bet That. 
You can bet that with David Bastel. Brought to you by Sports Interaction. Get in the action and make a play. 19 plus. Please play responsibly. Time for You Can Bet That, people. Uh, remember to hit up sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN for all of your gaming needs. Uh, I did mention I had a doozy for you. I have another one of those dangle doozies that are on uh, the Sports Interaction website. Will Austin Matthews fight again in round one versus Tampa Bay? Yes, at plus 900. He has to receive a fighting major. It can't be a scrum that, you know, just gets quickly, you know, broken apart and he doesn't get anything for it. It has to be a fighting major. Yes, at plus 900. No, at minus uh, 3,333. That's a very specific number to be at a no. Where do you, do you think we see another fight involving Austin Matthews in this first round series? That is a doozy by definition. I mean, look, he's played, what, 500 NHL games, give or take. That was his first ever fighting major, and obviously he was a reluctant participant in that particular fight. So part of me wants to say, like, no chance. Like, you know, the odds of seeing him fight again his career might be low. But then the one thing that's sort of, like, in the back of my mind here is, is, as we talked about in the opening segment, like, the, the temperature's up. You know, now he's been kind of drawn into this. Maybe, but I'm still leaning no. It's just he's not that kind of guy. Matthews actually was asked after the game, Julian. He said he he's, was in a one practice fight when he was younger. But that, that's it. Like never, never in a fight essentially in his I, I, I want to say life, but certainly his hockey career. Um, so I, I think it's unlikely, but who knows? Because I, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have had a Stamkos Matthews fight on my my card of things likely to happen either. Uh, have you ever, when in your brief uh, minor hockey career, did you ever get involved in one of those uh, fights in a scrum? You know the was the rival was the rival team against who's the rival city against Coburg again? Port Hope. Port Hope. Yeah. You, you and Port you and Port Hope's getting any scraps? Sort of, but like it it was like gloves on with full masks when we're kids. Like, you know, I don't want to I don't want to glorify it, and I don't want to make it more than it was. But yeah, like like little kind of kid fights, I'd say happen here and there. Okay, but like but chirps. You definitely, I was got, not a, you definitely got a chirp it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was a big chirper. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, man. We did a full list of all the chirps you would give uh, as a 12-year-old. <laughs> uh, sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN for all the best odds before game, in-game, and the best props. Sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN. So it seems like there's always something new and exciting going on at the SDPN. Have you seen our brand new website? sdpn.ca has got a new look and tons of great new content we've got the sdp cj show that's us uh noxie and cax the objective basketball podcast nailing the apex agent provocateur game over the list goes on and on and you can catch up on all of our latest shows at the brand new sdpn.ca plus we've got news and special features from across the world of sports it's an awesome website add it to your bookmarks call your friends Tell your family, including your grandma, she would really appreciate it. One more time for the people in the back, sdpn.ca. We go from the Toronto Maple Leafs now to Toronto Maple Leafs West. And I know I'm going to piss off some Oilers fans by saying that. I only Ah. say that because Jack Campbell and, and Zach Hyman rescued the Oilers from uncertain doom. Uh, they were down against the Los Angeles Kings. This is a team that uh, Drew Dowdy had said they had yet to play their best hockey. And in that first period against the Oilers, they found a way to do so. But the Oilers, if there's a team that could come back from a deficit like that, 
it is them with the offensive firepower that they have. Uh, they pull St- Stuart Skinner. Jack Campbell comes in, holds down the fort as best as he can. And then Zach Hyman, as I mentioned before, winning it in overtime. If the Oilers lost that game down 3-1 in that series, how would you be feeling about your Stanley Cup pick? I'd be worried about it, of course. I mean, uh, you know, it's not impossible to come back from 3-1, but you, you reduce the margin for error to, to, to next to nothing uh, by putting yourself in that spot. And it's hard to overstate what a big win that was for Edmonton, just with the circumstances um, you know, you're saying you might piss some Oilers fans off. It's impossible if you're an Oilers fan to be pissed off today because that that was a, a horseshoe kind of game. Uh, when you're down three nothing after 20 minutes, you almost want to turn the TV off, maybe and go do something else. But uh, you know, I trust people stuck with it because they, they tied it up before the end of the second period. They went down again. Evander Kane scores late, and then Hyman wins it in overtime. And you're right, the, the Jack Campbell storyline. I mean, I figured we'd see him at some point in these playoffs, but. You, know, you you almost feel like he's got to start the next game now. I mean, I, I can't imagine him coming in and making 27 saves on 28 shots and, and not being thrown back in. And, and, you know, at least he does have some playoff experience with the Leafs. Um, you know, he certainly wasn't the reason the Leafs lost their, their, their first round series, but, you know, I think he, he could have been better in some of the, the big games there. And so, you know, we'll see, see where he's at, but uh, that Kings Oilers series, it's still, I mean, it, even at 2-2, it's got me feeling nervous about my Stanley Cup pick because the Kings have been really good, and the margin between the teams has not been that large uh, in Edmonton's favor. Not not quite as much as I would have guessed it would be. Uh, from what you've been able to see from that series, what do you make of how Connor McDavid has played, but also how Leon Dreisaitl has played? Because it, it seems as if he's been able to you know, get himself going. I mean, actually, you know what? That might be saying it lightly. Uh, Dmitry Filipovich put out this tweet after the game saying that all 14 goals scored by the Oilers in this series, Leon Dreisaitl has been on the ice for. That is an insane wow. statistic. Wow, I didn't realize that. that that's wild. That's I mean, insane. And, and again, as we're recording this, he's leading the, the playoffs in scoring at nine points. So, I mean, Dreisaitl's getting the job done. You know, McDavid scored two goals in, in the previous game. But, you know, they've shut him down a little bit more. And, and you know, this is this is going to happen in playoff hockey, right? I mean, when you have multiple offensive stars, it's rare they're all firing at the same time. If they are, you're probably getting a lot of 7-3 wins and things uh, because it means everyone's getting points. Um, you know, I, I think Connor McDavid's still going to break through here. Um, but he hasn't been the McDavid of the regular season just yet or even the McDavid of last year's playoffs in terms of how productive he was. But, you know, we know if we give this guy enough games – uh, things are going to level out and, and he's going to break through a little bit more on the score sheet. And, and the fact that Dreisaitl has been able to, to to make that sort of impact is, I mean, that's massive. All 14 goals in a four-game series, that's, you know, a lot of good things are happening when the big man's on the ice. Okay, I need to ask you a question now uh, that I posed on Twitter yesterday. And maybe there might be recency bias, but I would love to know your opinion. Uh, Connor, Leon, Nathan McKinnon. Austin Matthews, Game 7, fate of the universe on the line, the Death Star beam pointed right at you. Who are you taking? You have to take between one of those four players. Again, fate of the universe on the line. And if you say Andre Iguodala, I swear to God. Ha. I'll, uh, I'll take Kawhi Leonard. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll take Connor McDavid. In all seriousness, I'll... I'll... I, I think there's a there's an ability to galaxy brain that that answer and overthink it, and it's not a knock on the other three players, but I, I'll take the best player in the world hands down. He was massive in last year's playoffs. 
I still think he'll be great in this year's playoffs. It just, you know, it's only a couple games. Sometimes this, this sort of thing happens uh, where maybe he hasn't been quite as productive as you're used to seeing. But I think with your season on the line, you want the best guy on your side. And uh, I, I can't, there's no one even close to Connor McDavid right now as, in terms of indi- individual skill and, and ability. Love that answer. Uh, love what we've been able to talk about with regards to uh, Leon Dreisaitl and the Oilers in that King series, which is looking very good. Goes back to Edmonton for game five. It's going to be, it's going seven again. It has to go seven. There's no way this ends in like six. I, I, I refuse to believe it. I refuse. So you're calling Tampa, Toronto, and going seven and Edmonton. Yeah. Why the not? TV ch- the TV networks are like that. Lots of, lots of games to show. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, how about another series that I'll, I'll say this in terms of uh, picks that I don't feel that I, I was feeling confident about before. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not hopping off yet, but I'm just like, ugh, I really wish Winnipeg got that win over Vegas the other night. Uh, that was a team that battled back from a deficit to force overtime, but they were not able to get the job done, uh, when it came time for extra periods and even worse for them. Uh, no Josh Morrissey for the rest of the series for the Winnipeg Jets. Can you describe how big of a blow that's going to be for that team? It's massive. I mean, I think teams, if you lose an offensive star, I think teams can get through a period of time uh, because other players can chip in. But when you're talking about defensemen that play 20, 25 minutes a game and, and really important minutes in a playoff series, it's hard to fake that with whatever depth you have below them. It's hard to just, you know, use the players that, you know, say the extra guy that comes in the lineup, but even those that are already in the lineup and now all of a sudden have to take on a bigger role. It's hard to survive that in playoff hockey. I mean, we saw it in, in the Tampa Toronto series, Victor Hedman missed a game, and, and I don't think it's a coincidence. It was by far Tampa's worst game of the, of the playoffs. You know, Tampa's played 159 playoff games since Hedman was drafted. He's been in 156 of them, but they've never won a game without him in the lineup. I think it's going to be similarly difficult for the Jets. I'm not saying they can't win without Morrissey, but the, the, the task gets so much more difficult. And, and, you know, how do you, how do you basically handle those minutes? How do you, how do you find players that don't make mistakes and can play simple on your roster? I think that that, that is, is going to be a really tough thing for them to overcome. And I'm with you, like the way they came back in the game on Saturday and still to lose in double overtime. Like, I feel like that's an extra gut punch, um, you know, to, to, to put all that effort in to, they feel the emotion in the building. Obviously, they have the home side. You know, the, the, the series he shifted back to Winnipeg, and then not to win, and then lose. Maybe your most important player, um, you know, perhaps outside of Connor Hellebuck. It's it's a tough task, but this is the playoffs. I mean, every team look around. Boston's winning without Krejci and Bergeron. Um, you know, we can go right down the list. The, the Colorado series, they're, they're missing everyone, including Val Nichushkin under you know some somewhat mysterious circumstances. I mean, no one, no team. Mm-hmm is 100% throughout a whole playoff run. It's just not the case. And so the Jets have to sort of put that, the, the things I'm saying out of their minds, Rick Bonus and his coaching staff have to find ways to get through those minutes. I just, I don't see an easy solution for them uh, with the players they have. Yeah, it's, it's, it's looking a bit tough for them. But I mean, the fact that they were able to battle back without Josh Morris, he's a good sign uh, from the way that they performed that game. You mentioned mistakes. I mean, pretty unfortunate for Dylan Sandberg. His mistake ends up costing the team in the end. He tried to make that clear. I think it goes off Ivan Barbashev's skate and then uh, ends up to going towards Michael Amadio. But I don't know, like this Jets team, I mean, man, that's a big loss at the back end for, well, for a I- guy who will end up on a lot of Norris ballots. And that's what I'm talking about. Like that mistake costs the, the game. You know, it's the game-winning goal for Vegas. It's a small mistake, really. Like it, it's the sort of thing that happens. But 
in the playoffs, those mistakes are amplified. And I just think when you have a player of Josh Morrissey's quality, those mistakes aren't happening too much when he's on the ice. Uh, and, and, you know, so that, that, that's the hard part. I, I think it's more difficult to, move, to lose a minute-munching defenseman than even your premier forward under these circumstances. I think there's just ways to get by offensively, but defensively, man, it's, it's, uh, it's a tough spot. But still a series, man. I'm, I'm not, I picked the Jets in that one. I'm feeling a little less confident, too, not just because mm. of where it's at in the games, but, but now seeing Morrissey out. But, you know, the flip side is they're, they're still right in that series. They're one goal away from being ahead 2-1. Oh God, I I, for, I completely forgot about the fact that we both picked the Winnipeg Jets to win that series. That's supposed to be the trendy, quote unquote, upset pick of the I first know, round we, of the playoffs. We were smelling an upset that day, but uh, looks like Vegas has some other plans for us. It's looking like it for now, but uh, you know the games have to be played. You mentioned Valerie Nichushkin, uh with the Colorado Avalanche, uh, not available right now for that team. Uh, it's a very strange situation. There's no, it, it's not injury. He's not the team. Very mysterious circumstances. How, what, what's your read on that situation as best as you can give? Well, there's a lot of rumors flying around about it. And I don't think it does us any good to get into those because, you know, I, I don't know what's happening there. It's, it's highly unusual though, as you mentioned, I mean, it, players leave for personal reasons all the time during the season you know, all manner of things happen in, in your the course of your life, whether it's family illnesses or, you know, birth of a child, all those types of things. Um, that, that But to see it in the playoffs is, is you know, what gets your attention. And let's remember how good Val Nichushkin was in last year's run to the cup final. Actually, there's a great video of him walking where I'm sitting here in Emily Arena out with the cup because he had his, he was all banged up with his foot. Um, the last time I saw him in person was right, right that was basically where I'm sitting now. Um, and he had the Stanley Cup, and he did a lot to help Colorado get their hands on that cup. And, you know, we don't seem to know when he'll be back. Kind of an awkward spot for the Avalanche, obviously, if it is something, say, personal, that they don't want to say too much, but they're obviously getting a lot of questions about one of their best players disappearing in the middle of a playoff series. I mean, I don't know what to make of it other than to say that team has had a really tough year trying to repeat their championship. Between not having Landis Cog all year long with his knee injury and him being done for the season – all kinds of other injury problems. They've got a Seattle Kraken problem right now in terms of the Kraken really being a pain to play against, which I think was foreseeable. Um, but it's it's still not a guarantee the Avs find their way through uh, as much as, you know, they exploded for some goals the other night and got the win on Saturday. But uh, without Nichushkin and, and losing the players they did in the offseason and Landis Cog, you, know, you just wonder how, how far they can push forward in their, their attempt to win a second straight cup. Are you surprised that the series is where it is with Colorado and Seattle, even if Colorado has all the injuries they have? Maybe a little bit, especially Seattle winning the first game and getting ahead in some other games. Like, like they've, they've definitely put a little scare into the avalanche, I think, in that one. You know, ultimately, what I kind of thought was going to be an issue for them, though, is you know, I'm not sure if they're getting good enough goaltending to truly pull off an upset there. Um, but, you know, that, that Kraken team is deep, and I think they play – they, they play in a way that's conducive to success in the playoffs because they can just roll four lines and, and be super solid and, and really take the play to you. So, um, you know, I, 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 to say I'm surprised, I mean, maybe Seattle's put a little bit better of a foot forward than I expected, but I also ultimately thought the Avalanche were going to win. And I, my, my opinion hasn't changed on that, but it, it's hard to also ignore the, all the stuff the Avs are dealing with and just wonder how well they're going to be able to keep their, their, their focus and, and, you know, what's maybe awaiting them in the next round, even if they do get by the Kraken. 
okay, we don't have all the time in the world uh, for today's episode. We have to get to questions for Ask CJ. Uh, so we're not going to go through every other series left in depth. But I am going to put you on the spot, and I'm going to try something here. With the four remaining series we did not talk about, I'm going to mention a series, and you just give me a sentence describing how you feel. It could literally be anything you want. It just has to be a sentence. How's that okay. sound? All right. Carolina and the Islanders. Give me one sentence. Sebastian Aho. That's technically not a sentence. Times but two. Also, but also, but also <laughs> which Sebastian Aho are you talking about? There's two players named Sebastian Aho in the series. Okay. Uh, you know, Kane's, Kane's looking good, but losing lots of players to injuries as well. Okay. All right. We can go with that. Uh, Minnesota and Dallas. The Wilds are putting up a bigger fight than I thought they would. Mm, okay. All right. Uh, Boston and Florida. <laughs> Matthew Kachuk and Brad Marchand in the same series is highly entertaining. It very much is. And finally, uh, the New Jersey Devils and the New York Rangers. Jack Hughes doesn't like talking to the media. Yeah. That's interesting that he's, he's decided to take that that standpoint in his life. I like I, I got time for that kid. Like first of all, he's an awesome player. And, and, yeah, but sec- absolutely. But secondly, the few times I have been in, around him talking in, in his scrum, he's very direct and honest, and he was honest there. So I'm not I'm not picking on him, but that that's first thing that came to mind. And, and look, the Devils are going to make it a series. I, I picked them to win. They got smacked around pretty good in the first two games, but uh, that was a big win on the weekend to get get one back when they went home. And uh, the Rangers are my pick. And uh, for those who are wondering, uh, yeah, we, the stakes are still up for that series. Uh, if the Rangers lose, I eat a poutine hot dog. If Chris's team loses, he eats a relish hot dog. I'm looking forward mm. to that. <laughs> mm. <laughs> All right, let's get to these questions for Ask CJ uh, here on a Monday. Uh, let's start with Worldwide Daniel off of Discord. Uh, what are your sleep schedules like this time of year, and are they a lot different from regular season and off-season time? Yes, I'm up later more consistently, both because I'm at games every second night in the sleep series. It, you know, it ended pretty late the other night because it was almost a full overtime period played. Um, and then even on the off nights, I, you know, it's hard not to want to watch the West Coast games, and I'm still based in the East. So I'm definitely sleeping far less. I'm working more, too. You know, I've been writing every day and, and those types of things and traveling. So time is, is not my, my friend right now, but, you know, I'm obviously having a ball. I'm lucky to do what I do. And, yeah, I'm still enjoying it, still getting out for my runs. Uh, but but I am, I'm exhausted. Like, I'm, I hate to say it. I'm getting old, man. Like, it's, we're, what, a week into the playoffs? And I'm, I'm already feeling like, whoa. And, I, you know, I used to go always all four rounds on the road and, and, I don't recall being so tired in the past, but I need my beauty rest. Oh my! How, mu- how many hours of sleep are you averaging a night? Probably like four to five, I'd say. No. Um, you know, I'll catch up a bit. We have a two off days in this series before game between games four and five, so that'll be a chance. Uh, but yeah, like I, I will say, the one thing as I've gotten older is I appreciate sleep more. I used to almost wear it as a badge of honor that like I didn't feel like I needed to sleep that much and that I could still function at a high level i'm if anyone out there is looking for a way to jumpstart your life the more sleep you get i think it's amazing the effects you have if you can consistently get eight or nine hours a night 
that is a message endorsed uh, by Chris Johnston <laughs> and myself. Uh, sleep is very good. So the off season, I'm going. Yes. I'm I'm sleeping eight or nine hours almost always because obviously I don't I don't have a lot of work demands at that point. Yes, of course, absolutely, and you deserve all the rest you can get, sir. You Thanks, do a great bud. job. Thank you. Marlene and eight on Twitter. Is it sad that part of my playoff anxiety consists of questionable refing in the past? Ooh, no. I mean that's not sad. Look, look at if if you're going to cheer for any team that team is not going to win too often. I mean, I guess the, the example that doesn't work is if you've been a Tampa fan, you've had a pretty good seven or eight year run here where the team's in the final and win won a couple, but most, most fans have anxiety of some degree or bad memories or bad thoughts because most teams season ends with a loss and ends with disappointment. And so I don't think that that's bad. And, and if you're talking about the refereeing in particular, go back to the start of this episode and Jonas, Jonas, man, Julian, I'm having a hard morning. I just called you Jonas. I, I I see the similarities to Jonas Siegel. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I've been spending a lot of time. To be fair, I've been spending a lot of time with Jonas here on the road. Um, but Julian uh, Julian's got you going in on the refs for you. Just play that again and again and again. That'll that'll soothe your soul. Uh, scoff underscore nineteen eighty. Please say hi to, to Jonas Beanie Siegel for me if you can. From athletic uh, coworker to another. By the way, I, I will. Um, we got Joshua Cloak on the series and Pierre LeBrun too. Yes. So it's, a lot of athletic representation here in Tampa. I know Myrtle was uh, at some home games. Dom was at some home games too. Um, yeah, we're we're very much represented uh, in that particular series. Anyway, Scoff underscore nineteen eighty uh, with the injuries suffered by the Avalanche, prominently Landis Gog and Makar. What do you feel is a realistic goal for them in this postseason? Personally, Western Conference Final, but would be very happy to see them go all the way again. Well, I mean, their goal has to be winning the cup. But I, I think the problem is, is if they don't, we, they, they do have a built-in kind of explanation for it or excuse, if you want to call it an excuse. And so you just, that's why you wonder, like, how how well can they push on? Because it's so hard to win. And, and every team that, that has a long run, you know, has to push through all these difficult moments and find ways to win games like the, the, the win we saw Edmonton pull off in L.A. the other night. Like, you have to pull the arm rabbit out of the hat uh, to, to push your way through it. I just wonder if... At some point, it gets difficult for the Avalanche, and if they're just looking around and thinking of the guys they don't have there versus who they do. Um, so I, I think it's going to be very, very difficult to repeat. But when you're saying what's a realistic expectation, I'm, I'm not going to say they can't repeat. Uh, they still got some damn good players, and you know they have a defenseman they can roll out there 28 minutes a night and feel great about. And, and you know Gorgiev's giving them good goaltending. We know what McKinnon's all about. Uh, you know we we never really talk about Miko Rantanen much. And I know we have 100%er out there that's on me about that because he just had a great season. I believe it was one of the best goal-scoring seasons or point seasons by Finn ever. Um, but, um, yeah, I still think they can win. It's just going to be really hard. Okay. Uh, I've got one last one for you here, and it has nothing to do with hockey. From Red Shark Pack on Discord, how excited were you about Wrexham's promotion to League 2 in England? I'm sure uh, – it says, I'm sure the link was watching. How much social engagement of fifth-tier English soccer match drew? I don't know if they meant uh, either the Discord or whatever. I don't know I don't know what they mean by the link. But um, Wrexham being promoted uh, from the National League to League 2. Awesome stuff. Never in doubt. Never in doubt. Never in doubt. Some, there were some text messages going back uh, and forth with my dad. Uh, you know, they had a big win two weeks ago against Knott's to, to, you know, in my mind, kind of seal it up. But, yeah, it's great to see it official. And it's going to be cool to see them climb the 
climb the ranks. I mean, I, I don't know if he'll get another promotion immediately next year. I think it's a long-term plan to, to try to build there, but I think we will see them in the premiership in my lifetime. That's, that's my beliefs. If you want to know how old Chris Johnston is, he said the word premiership. What do you call it? Premier, Premier League? League. It's Premier League. I mean, I look, I'm, I, I, I miss the days when it was called the Premiership. But, like, that's definitely a generational thing. That's fine. <laughs> I, I'm, I, I, wear, I wear my age with pride. Look at this beard here, bud. If you had to uh, drink every time uh, CJ mentions the greatness in his beard. Uh, but also, just keep watching the show, man, because it's just nothing but jokes like this and informative hockey talk and other fun stuff as it happens. Siege, I know you got a, you got a, you got a jet, so uh, we're going to wrap it up right over here. We're back on Thursday with a brand new episode. Subscribe to the podcast either on YouTube, through the STPN channel, or on Spotify, Apple, whatever podcast carrier you so choose. For CJ, I'm Julian. So long. Enjoy game four uh, for whatever series uh, you happen to watch, whether it's Tampa, Toronto, uh, or any of the other ones playing today, and for the rest of uh, the postseason in the first round. Enjoy all the games, man. All, all of the games. All of the games. The Chris Johnson Show. Powered by Sports Interaction. Wanna bet? Inside the game, twice a week. Follow Chris on Twitter at Reporter Chris. And follow Julian McKenzie at JK McKenzie. The Chris Johnston Show.